Okay. All right. So starting with verse 3. We're in Matthew 5, verse 3. Or verse 1. Verse 3. Okay. We're in this together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lauren. So since before I, I, I started coming here, working here a little over 10 years ago, and I think throughout its history and different variations, certainly since before I was coming and then afterwards, there would be a group that would pray together in room 101 every, um, almost every week of the year, Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock, about an hour before the service would start. We would get together and we would share uh, what's going on in the church or in our community, and then we would just pray for, and what are the needs, like what, who's going through difficult times in our church, and then we would just pray for those things. We would pray for the ministries ahead in the day, we would pray for specific people, um, we would pray for what was happening in our community. And week to week, we would report like, well, this is what happened as a result of our prayers. So there was, there was praying happening, and that went right up until we took a break from the pandemic, and maybe soon we'll, we'll restart that again. But that happened every week. And then the other thing where people gathered every week was right down here. So we would meet, we would go over what the service is going to be for the day, and then the people that are involved on the stage, back in the booth, we would get together, we would check in with each other, and then we would pray. One of the things that I would hear prayed from time to time, especially in that group over there, was there would be a thank you, God, thank you that we are blessed to be able to just worship you freely here. In other parts of the world, they can't just show up and worship you, but here we can worship you freely, so thank you for that. That prayer I've heard prayed, I can, and I'm thinking of specific names who've, or people, faces, who've prayed that, and I can think of a couple who've prayed it here even in the last years. The same kind of thing. We are so blessed, God, that we can come and worship you freely. Thank you for that. So I'm thinking about that prayer today as we've been going through these beatitudes that Lauren just read one by one, week by week, and we're to the last one, and the last one is this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we spend time saying, thank you, God, that we're free. Thank you, God, that we're not persecuted. Thank you, God, that it's not like those situations over there. Thank you for that. We're so blessed because of that. And now today I've got to talk about Jesus saying, blessed are the ones that are persecuted. And... You know, we could just kind of gloss this over, but this actually is the only beatitude where Jesus doesn't just leave it. You know, every single one is like, blessed is this kind of person, for they get this. Blessed is this guy, and then he just moves on. But this time, he doesn't just move on. The next verse, verse 11, said, blessed are you when people persecute you because of me. Re and he doesn't just say, you're blessed. He says, rejoice, be glad, get happy about it. 
When they, say, when they insult you, when they say all kinds of things about you, if you go to the next verse, verse 12, it says, rejoice and be glad when people insult you. So he says this, he repeats this one twice. It's like he knows we're going to be like, huh? Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness. Blessed are you when you're persecuted because of the way you follow me. You're blessed. So why do we spend a lot more time thanking God for not being persecuted, praying that we won't be persecuted, and Jesus didn't. And it's not like Jesus didn't have context for this. Jesus could have prayed, hey, God, get the Romans out of here so we can worship more freely. Or he could have prayed the opposite, God, thank you that the Romans are allowing worship to take place freely, at least at the temple right now, because it's not all it always has been. But we don't hear him saying anything about that. Nor do we have his followers saying anything about that. His followers will pray things like, when, when they're getting persecuted, make us bold. Give us confidence to speak your name, Jesus. His followers would pray, would, would, would do this. They got beaten, whipped, 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 whipped because they spoke of the name of Jesus. And when they came back to report it, it said they rejoiced. They were so grateful that they were worthy to suffer in Jesus' name. What are we supposed to do with this? I mean, it's one, so my immediate thought is like, well, that's just for the people in the Bible. You know, some of those people, that's just for, for missionaries or the poor souls that get born in a different country and they have to deal with it, so that's a good word for them. But for us, but what if it's a message for you? My solution to this at one point, the thought that, that went through my head is, isn't it Judd's turn to teach this week? I mean, really, I, I, got, I didn't just like come with like, well, here's the Bible answer and I'm ready and we'll just pull this out of my pocket and give it. I have just been like, wait, I mean, do I really believe this stuff? Do I really believe what Jesus says? I don't know on this one. So I had to think and pray and seek a little bit more on this one than your average beatitude. Here's one of the, the things we know from the whole Bible. It's what I talked about a little bit last week. God wants to bless. He is all about blessing, about good things coming into our lives. An abundance of good things. Jesus came to bless people. Jesus came to, to create a way for more blessing to come. Jesus wants to bless us. He wants to bless through us. He wants to bless. So as we look at this beatitude that says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because of doing the right things for the right reason, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, what I think it's important to realize is that he's not saying persecution is a blessing. He's not saying persecution is a blessing. Like in all these Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He's not saying mourning is a blessing, or the fact that we, we lost something deeply and we're deeply grieving, that's not the blessing. The blessing is that you can be comforted. So the blessing here isn't that we're persecuted, isn't that other people are opposing us, or that we're getting left out, or we're being mistreated or misunderstood. That's not the that's not the blessing. The blessing is what comes after it, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
when we're persecuted, we have access to blessing. It is a blessing that we can worship freely. That is a good thing. That is a better thing than not worshiping freely. However, there is a blessing that can come when we're persecuted that we wouldn't get when we're not persecuted. And in this case, it says, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Now, for a lot of us, heaven is like this faraway thing, maybe outer space. After we die, it's it's like future-oriented, someday, maybe. You know, kind of thing. But Jesus is saying here, and he says often in his teachings, no, his kingdom of God, is a, of heaven, is a reality. It is where what God wants to happen, happens. And so, yes, that is about after we die, forever, God, what God wants to happen is going to happen, but we have access to heaven now. And those who are persecuted, those who are mistreated for doing the right things for the right reasons, They have an access level to God's ways. They are lining up with God's ways, and heaven doesn't just stay far away. It becomes more near. We have access to it. And, And then he also says it's not just temporary that we get blessing. There's a blessing that comes that goes way beyond. So he says, rejoice and be glad. Why? Great is your reward in heaven. So when we are persecuted, mistreated because of the way we've talked about Jesus, because we're willing to live for Jesus, he says you get reward in heaven, great reward in heaven. The sacrifices we make, the sufferings we experience for Jesus, it's not just that we're going to get repaid for those. It's not just we're going to get repaid for those. It's that we're going to get whatever it costs and way more. We're going to get reward. It's going to be way better than that, and it's going to last forever. So, this is an imperfect illustration, but let's say I can live my life like I am now. I can live my life like I am now, and it'll keep trajectorying like it is now. Or, I can choose into something that is difficult, that is hard, that will have challenges. It will include living with less, living in a a tighter space, more hard things in my life, and it'll be for one year. I have to live this way. And after that year, though, then I will get a lot of money, way more money than I make this way. I'll get a better place to live. I will also have other people, because of what I did for this year, they're going to get good things. The people close to me, people I don't even know, there's going to be, because of what I do for this year, for the next several decades, more income, better place to live, more people are going to have good things if I will do this for this year. Well, if I know that, I think I can suck it up for a year. My mind will be, my eyes will be on because it's going to be worth it for the next decades. That is what this talks about all the time. It talks about what we're doing here in this lifetime. Maybe it's a few more years for some of us. Maybe it's 10, 20, 30, 50, 60, 80. 80 years. But what we do here, we give an account for one day. And when we give that account, then God says, so here's what that's going to mean for you for the next thousands upon thousands of years. It could be great reward for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years because we're all going to keep living forever. It's just what kind of eternal destiny are we going to have on the other side of death? And we make choices now about that. 
And he says, if you're so willing to live for me that it costs you something, that it costs you something, that it costs you in your relationships, that you're mistreated, if you are so lined up with me that you're willing to experience that, guess what? It's going to be worth it. You're going to get a whole lot more than if you had shrunk back and hid. You're going to have a blessing that goes way, way more than the blessing that you feel like you're hanging on to by hiding, by not saying what you really think, by just compromising. It's a greater blessing coming. In Romans, it says, I consider our present sufferings, and this guy suffered, that's right in this. I mean, he was beaten, he was jailed, he was all kinds. I consider our present sufferings aren't even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. In another part, in 2 Corinthians, he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs all of these light and momentary troubles. It's not even close. So, he said, we fix our eyes on what is unseen. What is unseen is eternal. What is seen is temporary. And people who are persecuted for doing the right things for the right ways, for the right reasons, have their eyes set on Jesus. People who are persecuted for following Jesus, for being willing to speak the name of Jesus, for loving Jesus, they have their eyes set on the unseen, the eternal. And they are going to be blessed because of it. Now, Billy Graham, he had, Billy Graham, big time evangelist guy, back in 1957, he addressed college students who were open to going into the mission field. There's an Urbana missions conference. I actually went to it when I was in college, not 1957, but when I was in college. And, and um, there's this chance, there's this chance that, like, this is a call for people who are interested to say, I'm going to give my life to whatever God wants, even if it means going to the mission field. That story just popped into my head. Um, I'm going to save it. Remind me if I forget to say I got a story at the end. All right, thank you. Okay, here we go. So Billy Graham gets up, thousands of college students, and he, said, he pulls out a letter. The letter came from his pastor, but his pastor got it from a uh, young lady that went to his church, and it's a letter from her fiancé who broke it off with her. He was a communist. Now, this is hard for us to get our heads around because this is a long time removed, but there was a time when communism was something that, pe that was moving around the globe and that people were encouraging. We can see the negative results of communism, and so it's easy to be like, well, that's bad. But in the early 1900s, the idea started in Germany, and it wasn't, hey, let's start something where we can have put one leader in charge who mistreats tons of people, which is what ended up ends up happening with communism most of the time. That's not the vision. The vision of communism was, hey, instead of some people being rich and getting it all and other people being poor, let's, let's collect our things together and distribute it equally. It's just that somebody always kind of gets up to the top and then they are in charge and then they don't do that. But that was, the, that was the thought, that was the cause. And so there were people in this country who were like, that is what I want to be about. This guy was one of them. And he writes this letter, this is part of his letter to his fiance. He says, we communists have a high, yeah, it'll be up on the screen too because it's hard to listen to somebody read. We communists have a high casualty rate. 
We're the ones who get shot and hung and lynched and tarred and feathered and jailed and slandered and ridiculed and fired from our jobs and in every other way made as uncomfortable as possible. A certain percentage of us get killed or imprisoned. We live in virtual poverty. We turn back to the party every penny we make above what is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. We communists don't have the time or the money for many movies or concerts or T-bone steaks or decent homes and new cars. We've been described as fanatics. We are fanatics. Our lives are dominated by one great overshadowing factor, the struggle for world communism. We communists have a philosophy of life which no amount of money could buy. We have a cause to fight for, a definite purpose in life. We subordinate our petty personal selves into a great movement of humanity. And if our personal lives seem hard or our egos appear to suffer through subordination to the party, then we are adequately compensated by the thought that each of us in his small way is contributing to something new and true and better for mankind. There is one thing that I am in dead earnest, and that is the, that is the, the, the communist cause. It is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife, and my mistress, my bread and my meat. I work at it in the daytime and dream of it at night. Its hold on me grows, not lessens as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, love affair, or even a conversation without relating it to this force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, and actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude toward it. I've already been in jail because of my ideas, and if necessary, I'm ready to go before a firing squad. For communism. All that for communism. This guy and many like him were so caught up on like what could happen in this world if we all collectively treated each other well. It wouldn't be the, the powerful and rich against the weak and poor. This is their thought process. If we could get this thing installed... If we could get it installed, how much better would the world be? And they're willing to, to go through mistreatment. They're willing to give up everything to try to make this happen. At the end of which, even if they've given their life, then maybe it will happen. Now, when I read this letter, it reminds me of what I read in the book of Acts. About how people lived for Jesus. Communists will never work because the leaders don't have this idea of like we're trying to be generous Christianity has the leader who owns it all and yet gives it all away who does everything for the sake of the other for the good of the other that who is who is the leader and and Christianity can turn the world upside down the cause of Christ can change people's lives can bring people out of brokenness and addiction and hurt and pain and there are people in here who said we will do anything for it and there have been people throughout the last 2,000 years who say, we will do what it takes. We want to see this move forward and advance into life, no matter what it takes. So Billy Graham, in that message, followed it up a little bit later by saying he knew of a man that became a lieutenant. He was educated in the United States, but from Asia, he went and he was part of, at the time, the group invading China, trying to bring communism to China, and they eventually did. But at the one point, the lieutenant said, we're going to take this town tomorrow. And a guy said, Why? what good does it even do? Even if we get this town, 
We're outnumbered 10 to 1. And his response was, I would gladly die to extend communism by one mile. And Billy Graham's message that, are there any here who would gladly die to extend the cause of Christ one mile in Africa? And then he went on to tell a story of five people who did give their lives to try to bring the gospel to Ecuador, which they died, and if you kept with the story, actually whole villages became Christians, but not for years, years later. The question he might ask us, are you willing to die? Are you willing to live for seeing the cause of Christ advance even a little bit in Knoxville? Are you will, what are you willing to do or to give to see the cause of Jesus grow in Melcher, grow in Pleasantville, grow in Pella, grow in this region? What are you willing to give or to do? Because there are people who are willing to give it all because they so know Jesus. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They know that reality. They believe in the Lord to come, and they'll just give it all. My brother, Marty, has been to Cambodia several times, and he meets with people in Cambodia. And he added, I, I think I'm getting this right, he did some training with some people, and some of them were going to be going to Vietnam, the not good part of Vietnam. And they said goodbye as if they were never coming back. They were going to bring Jesus. And Jesus says, blessed are they. So, what about us? Well, I think a number of us have seen, most of us maybe have seen, the images of what's going on in Afghanistan recently. I'm aware that what happened, at least in the last couple of weeks, as people are fleeing and getting out, there's groups of believers who could not get out. And they're kind of in two camps. One camp, this, this through a, a, a prayer request, one camp said, please pray for us because we know the Taliban is going to be going from village to village, house to house. Please pray that we will de not deny our faith in Jesus. Now, if, if people are so desperate they'll hang on to planes because they know how brutal the Taliban is, so desperate that even after a bombing happens in the airport and they say they're going to bomb again, you still go back just for the chance to get out. And you know that they particularly hate Christians. How hard would it be to say, I believe in Jesus? That's one group. The other group said, please pray for us, because we're going to die anyway. So before the Taliban can go village to village, house to house, we're going to go village to village, house to house, and tell people about Jesus. And it may mean that we die sooner or get turned over sooner, but we're going we're to go out saying, this is for eternity. We are giving our whole life for that. And so in one sense, obviously, we are more blessed. We don't have anyone coming to our house. 
where we have to make that kind of decision about us or our children. We don't have that. But in another sense, if the goal is I want to give my whole life to Jesus, and I want to see Jesus impact other people, I know those people in Afghanistan that is front and center. For me, what's on Netflix? Am I going to go to the prayer event today for Knoxville at 3? Well, you know, I can golf. I can, I'm just not in the mood. Jesus says, whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will truly find it. And sometimes, since we're blessed with so many freedoms... We've just found it. This is it. It's here. These next years or few decades, this is the main deal. And we're missing heaven. And we're missing eternity. And we're missing the kind of impact we could have. Because there's a lot of silent suffering happening even in the Marion County area. There's a lot of souls crying out even in the Marion County area. And the Lord in heaven says, who will go? Who will go? Even if it costs something, who will go? Blessed are the ones that will go. Blessed are the ones who say, Jesus is a priority in my life, and I'm going to go with Jesus. I'm going to go with Jesus. Wherever he sends me. I think, I think many of us are going to be surprised. Many of us who say yes to Jesus in the littlest things are going to be surprised someday. Because we thought, and I know I have heard stories of multiple people over the last years, middle school students from this church, we thought it was a little thing to leave our group of friends and go sit with that one kid that had nobody sitting with them. But in heaven they said, that made a big difference. We think it's a little thing to maybe give a little money to this situation or help a person out or make a phone call or make a text or sacrifice one more thing or to be cleaning the rooms and praying in them in our hospitals or our long-term care facilities or our schools or we're cleaning up after we think it's a little thing. And heaven's like, no, Jesus says, Whatever you've done for the least of me, whatever little things you've done in my name, whether it's feeding people or being kind to people or welcoming people in, or whatever you've done, you've done it for me, Jesus says. What are we willing to do for Jesus? What are little things we're willing to do for Jesus? So here's one thing. For those of us, I mean, you don't have to live in Knoxville, but especially for those of us who live in Knoxville, here's one thing that may seem like a little thing today. But whether you signed up or not, you can go at 3 o'clock to the administrative building in town, and you can spend whatever, spend half, I don't know what it is. They'll give us instructions. We just go walk in a place and pray. 
pray for the souls that are hurting. Pray for the places where it could be light that comes in or it could be darkness, and we pray for more light. That's one thing. But now we're going to spend a little time praying like we get a chance to ask God, maybe there's something that's just our thing that he wants to put on our heart. It might be a little thing. It might be a big thing. We're going to pray about that. So I'll have the worship team come up. God, I confess that for me, most of the time, heaven is really far away. It's a long time away compared to what my focus is on right now. I don't necessarily sense you in my midst or you moving. And we just acknowledge that we need you. We need heaven to come near. We need, we need your help to choose you, to live for you, to make a difference in your name. And so that's what we're asking for this morning. We're asking for your help. We thank you for many, many good gifts that you give us that we can enjoy right here, right now, in this lifetime. But we also pray that you would give us the wisdom, the passion, the compassion to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. To live and to give sacrificially in your name. Would you give us eyes to see the ways your kingdom is moving? We pray for your kingdom to move even more. We pray for it to move even more in our region, in the place where we have the most influence. We also pray for your grace and mercy to go to Afghanistan, to the parts of Asia and Africa and Latin America and the Middle East that are oppressed, to the brothers and sisters in Christ there. Would you have mercy? Would you do a revival in all kinds of areas around this globe? So in these moments, as we close in song, release your spirit in a way that guides our thoughts, that fills our hearts, that prepares us for the good works you have planned in advance for us to do. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.